I had a meeting out and about this morning, so I'm uh, freeloading off somebody's um, outdoor restaurant furniture right now. And there's cars zipping by, but we're gonna do the best we can. We're here, that's what's most important. It is Wednesday morning, a beautiful morning, September 29th, 2021. And I'm so glad you joined us. We do this Monday through Friday. We take 10 or 15 minutes to unpack a portion of God's word, um, typically going deeper into something that we may have mentioned in the Sunday sermon. Um, we're also fielding questions from you. If you have specific questions, a number of you have done that. You can email me at paul.gilward at fouroakschurch.com if there's things that we've been studying in um, Romans that, that you have questions about. But last time we left off talking about this idea of accountability and, and what does God hold us accountable for. And we, went, we, we, we talked about this principle that we are held accountable for what we know, not for what we don't know. And so as believers who've heard the gospel, we're obviously accountable for whether we receive um, or reject the gospel. Those who have not heard of Jesus um, aren't judged based uh, judged um, on the fact that they reject the gospel because they don't know the gospel. They're rejecting the fact they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, the truth about God that that is evident and plain to everyone. Um, they're, they're judged on that. But we want to talk about another um, form of accountability, another judgment, um, so to speak. And the judgment has a lot of negative overtones, but in this way, what we just mean is, is evaluation um, as believers. Now, we know for sure, and we're going to see this in Romans 8, that in Christ there is no condemnation for the believer whatsoever. Um, we may fail, we will fall, um, we're broken, we're weak, we can be sinful, um, but because of the righteousness of Christ, our trust in Him, there's now no condemnation. In other words, no one can bring a charge against us. But there's also um, a second kind of accountability we have as believers um, that doesn't affect our salvation but does impact our eternal reward. Um, it does impact um, what our commendation that we receive from God and the nature of that. Now, there's a couple of passages we wanna, we wanna look at that build off of this theme. So the first is 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. Now remember, Paul is writing to Christians, okay? And this is what he says um, in verse nine and 10 of 2 Corinthians 5. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So here Paul is talking about believers and he seems to be pointing to this idea that that as believers, even as we are welcomed into um, eternal fellowship and eternal joy with God and other believers, there is going to be a judgment of works. And now this is not to determine our salvation, but it is to, um, to it's, it's us having to give an account okay, of the Lord. And understand when we think about giving an account, that can oftentimes be sprinkled with this idea of fear and terror and frightness. And that's, that's not what this is going to be. In fact, we don't know exactly what it is going to be. But what I'm really wanting to, to establish as a category for us as, as believers is that what we do in this life matters. 
know, John Piper infamously or famously wrote uh, the book, Don't Waste Your Life. And even as we are resting in Christ, okay, we have been given a stewardship as believers, whether that's our financial resources, our gifts, our talents, our abilities. And it's to those that we will have to give an account to the Lord one day. This will be a joyful accounting, but it will be an accounting nonetheless. So let's look at a couple places where we see where we see this, this, this theme of what it's going to mean to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive reward. Okay, Matthew chapter 25, very famous passage. We're not going to read, read it. I'm just going to reference it. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. It's the parable of the talents. And here Jesus talks about a parable where the servants... Um, are given each given a different talent or amount of money or resources to steward while their master is away. One is given five, one is given three, one is, um, or actually five, two, and one. Well, the master goes away, the one with five stewards it, earns five more. Uh, the one who had two, he stewards it, earns two more. But the one who had the one talent, he, he buried his, remember? And the moral of the story is that to whom much is given, much is expected, right? And Jesus is using as an illustration to talk about um, our accounting before God. Um, we see this same principle, for example, in Revelation 1 through 3, where John is writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And remember, these churches are full of believers, but yet God is coming to each of them and he's giving an accounting. I mean, he's asking for an accounting. He's telling them, this is where you're strong and this is where you're weak. And where you're weak, I want you to grow. I want you to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And probably one of the best known passages um, that we get, get a very clear view of this idea of the judgment seat of Christ is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And let's, let's give the context here. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and there have been a number of teachers who have been teaching um, and influencing the Corinthian church besides Paul. And Paul's trying to make an appeal to them that it's not about the servant, it's about Jesus, whom the servant points to. And then he talks about the accounting that he will have to give as an apostle. All right, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So now it's important to remember that Paul's specifically addressing the issues of teachers in the church. And, and this is one of the reasons why um, James tells us that any of you who aspire to be teachers, okay, um, you, you're, you're, you're agreeing to take on 
a greater accounting for what you do because you influence people. And that's true for any of us who are in leadership um, and all of us are in leadership in some capacity in our life, we'll have to give an accounting of that. Um, Peter says the same thing. We, we, will, we will have to give an account to the shepherd of the sheep. He says that to the elders. Well, here we have this idea that Jesus Christ is the foundation and all of us are building our lives on that foundation. We're investing our time, our money, our resources, our energies into um, various things in our life. Well, Jesus, Paul says, at the end of the age, on the day, he calls, for the day will disclose, that means the, the day of the Lord, that everything that we have built that has been precious, that has been eternally valuable, that has been done for the glory and honor of God, that has been done biblically and faithfully, God is going to preserve and hold up um, that, and there is going to be reward. Now, we don't know what exactly that reward is. Um, Sam Storms, who's a, is a pastor in Oklahoma City, writes, he thinks it has to do with our enjoyment of heaven um, and our maybe authority um, that we're given as God's servants in heaven. We, we don't know for sure. I think that's as good a guess as any, um, that that those who are rewarded have, have even greater capacity for joy in heaven, even though everyone's gonna be experiencing joy. I can't prove that, but that's just one hypothesis. Um, we're not exactly sure, but we do know there, it's right here in the text, and it says that. Everything that we've done for the glory of God will be held up preserved. So the time we've invested in our church, our children, um, our marriages, our, our faithfulness, our generosity, all of it. But Paul says there's gonna be another set of things that we have built that are not eternal, that were just of this life, that didn't have any particular eternal significance. And Paul uses this stark picture to talk about how those things will be burned away. That, that, that God's pruning, refining fire will come. It will consume everything that was done in sin, that was done for our own selfish motives, that was done not for God's glory. And all that will be left is what we have invested and built for God's kingdom. And that follows us in some particular way um, into eternity. And, and again, Paul is, is holding this up as an example for us to remember that as believers, what we do in this life matters. We, we aren't the frozen chosen. We aren't to receive salvation and merely handle it like a deposit that um, we are trying to protect versus what we're trying to steward for God's glory. And so one of the things that going all the way back now to Romans, Romans chapter two, um, we are, it's being highlighted for us, God's righteous judgment. And we know that as believers, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will stand and we will be declared not guilty and we'll be bestowed sonship and eternal life. And there will be joy and no shedding of tears and no, no sense of, of sadness. Well, at the same time, recognizing that, that we will all give an accounting to the Lord, as demonstrated in these passages, for what he's entrusted to us. We have all not been entrusted with the same thing. Okay? We've all been entrusted with varying talents, gifts, resources. We are only responsible for stewarding what God has given us. And, and that's what we will have to give an accounting to. Now, I do think as Western Christians, we have been given much. 
many opportunities. We have been given incredible resources. We have been given um, all the advantages that most civilizations in the history of the world have never been given. And I do believe um, we will have to give an account of how we stewarded that. So my encouragement to you today is pray for a heart of wisdom. Pray for a heart of faith. What does Paul say? The days are evil, right? Meaning they're gone, you can't get them back. We have a very limited time here on this earth. We are a vapor, we are a mist. We are here today, gone tomorrow. We don't know what today will hold, or much less tomorrow. And so we want to live every day in light of that day, the day of the Lord. We want to live every day as if this day could be the day. And asking God to give us wisdom, grace, faith, to be obedient, to follow Him, to, to wisely use what He's entrusted to us. And that should be our prayer. Lord, I want to leverage my life, my little mist or vapor of this life, I want to leverage it to your honor and to your glory. And that's something that we can all pray for each other, pray for ourselves. And it's an important lesson, a derivative of what we see here in Romans chapter two. Now, um, we will be back here tomorrow, first thing, bright and early Thursday morning. It'll be the last day of September, if you can believe it. I know you won't want to miss it. We'll see you then, let me pray. Father, go with us today. Give us a heart of wisdom and faith that we might be good stewards, that we might leverage what you've given us for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.